Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Today, my guest co-host Hiro Boga is here, and we're going to be talking about, or she's really going to be talking about, your soul desires. I invite you to sit down and with a notebook and really Press, be, have the ability to press pause, write down stuff, and go back because that's what I'm going to be doing after this conversation myself. And she's going to read something that she wrote and posted on Facebook, and she's given me permission. So I will be posting that in the show notes so you can have that instead of trying to find an old Facebook post once this gets broadcast. Thanks so much for listening today. I will circle back after my conversation with Hero. Hero. Hello and welcome back. Hi, Corinne. Thank you for having me. Such a delight to have you on my show. So do you want to care to talk about or share with the listeners what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, I, um, you know, one of the things that I've been doing for the past few months is, well, actually, I've been doing this for myself for years, but for the past few months, I've been sharing these. I create experiments for myself. I create practices for myself to play with different um, ideas, with different ways of being, to explore questions that I have. Um, And I post them on my Facebook page as daily practices. So if it's okay with you, I'll start simply by reading today's practice. Oh, that's lovely. I get to hear your voice some more. And <laughs> it's it's short, it's not long, but uh, but it's dense, and I think that it speaks to so much of what's going on right now. So let me start by reading it, and then we'll, we can talk about it. So today's practice, notice where you're leaning outside yourself to reach for your desires. Tremulous, held breath, tiptoe, afraid you'll fall over because you're reaching far beyond your center of gravity. Bring yourself back, back to your soul, to your breath, to your body, to your heart. Back to your center of power and presence. Your desires are not out there in the magical beyond. You can't grasp them or bind them to you by pursuing them as they flee towards some illusory horizon. The power to fulfill your desire doesn't lie outside of you. It's not held in the palm of someone else's hand to be bestowed upon you or withheld. It doesn't depend on caprice or will. Your desire can't be fulfilled by appeasing the gods of bestowal. Your true desires are always expressions of your soul. They are roadmaps to the paths of your unfolding incarnation. Every true desire is your soul showing you those aspects of itself that it wants to bring into being. So 
meet your desire as you meet your soul because that is what it is. Embrace it with love, with joy and tenderness, with curiosity and delight. Let each desire show you the you that it holds in the cradle of its heart. Let your soul open the pathways through which your desire blooms and flowers within you, delivering the fragrance of its own fulfillment. Do you really believe that your infinite soul, which has created and dissolved a million different forms and incarnations, lacks the power to unfold the miracles it conjures for you? You are the miracle. You are the miracle. There is no other miracle. You're it. Wow. So I thought we'd talk about that. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm delighted. All right. So, you know, I've been watching. I mean, part of it's interesting being Canadian. Um being your neighbor to the north and watching this this whole process leading up to your presidential election in just about what four four weeks three weeks mm-hmm. um, it's consequential for all of us because whatever happens in the u s affects everybody around the world and it certainly affects us here in Canada. And yet we don't have a direct electoral way of participating in your democratic process, which is as it should be because the U.S. is a sovereign nation and um, and it's up to you to vote in the person um, that you believe is best qualified for this office of president of the United States. But because there's been such a huge polarization that has emerged through this election, um, I'm really aware of how scared people are, how much they want um, a leader who embodies the values of democracy and freedom, of justice, um, of equality, of um, of the values that that your country was founded upon, and people are terrified that they're going to lose the freedoms that that are at the heart of what helps them to feel safe in the world and to bring the very best that they have to offer uh, into the life of your nation. So there's that going on. There's that desire and an enormous amount of fear that that we don't have the power um, to see that desire fulfilled, that that power can be taken away, that, that, that 
everything that you long for can be taken away by somebody else. You know, that if, depending on which side you fall on, you know, whether you're a Trump supporter or whether you're a Clinton supporter, that the, the fear is that something is going to happen that is going to destroy the basis of your own freedom and the basis of what constitutes a good life for you. And those of us who are watching on the sidelines are, you know, grappling with our own fears of the same things. And it's happening on many layers. I know so many women, I've been talking to so many women um, clients in the last few weeks who, um, who are experiencing that shadow of, um, of misogyny, of violence against women that has a history that reaches back almost as far back as the history of the human species on this earth. Um, you know, it has become increasingly uh, complex as our civilizations have evolved. Um, but there is there is this shadow and there is the story that accompanies it that we do not have the power to ensure our own safety and freedom. So there's that level at which desire and fear kind uh, of walk hand in hand. But I've also been seeing it, you know, in lots of other ways and much less... Um, dramatic ways um, and in much more ordinary ways, ways in which we we run our lives, we run our businesses, you know, we, we know that there are things that we want, um, ways in which we want to live, ways in which we want to contribute. And then we kind of launch forward with plans and schemes and strategies uh, to get there, and once we enter into that field of plans and schemes and strategies, it's easy to forget why we're actually why we actually want what we want. Um, it's easy to forget that what we want is always on its deepest level our soul saying to us, I am ready to bring more of my presence, more of my capacities and powers into your embodied life and into your world because that's what soul does. The soul presents us with choices at every turn because it's always, its purpose is always to bring greater, to grow our capacity to bring more of our soul's qualities, more of our joy, more of our radiance, more of our power into the world in service to our world. So that's really the reason for doing everything that we do. And when we forget that that's the reason for doing it, that's when we run into trouble. That's when we start to think that somebody else has the 
ability to give us what we want that somebody else can decide whether or not we get to have what we want. Whether that somebody else is an actual person or it's market forces or it's, you know, potential clients or whatever, whatever, whoever we've handed that power over to or projected that power onto, we forget that our desires are not separate from ourselves. They're not out there somewhere. And we don't have, to, and, and what happens as a result is we move outside of ourselves to go and get them. And as soon as we move outside of ourselves to go and get them, our bodies go into fear. Because for the body, it can only be in the present moment. It's only gift. It's only, well, it's not its only gift, but it's great genius is that it can only function in the present moment. And as soon as we leave, we have withdrawn our soul's presence from our bodies and we get scared. And then out of that fear, we act in ways that are not in alignment with our souls, that are not in harmony with our hearts. And we get further away from ourselves. And, you know, it's like a self-perpetuating cycle of increasing disconnection and distance. And through that cycle then, our desires become something impossible. They become something tenuous. They become something other than ourselves. And we end up pursuing things without knowing why we're pursuing them the pursuit becomes its own reason for being. Why do we lean outside of ourselves to reach our desires? Well, you know, I think it's hard to talk about in the abstract. It's easier to think about when you think about it in concrete terms. So, um, let me see if I can I can give you a story. Um, I have clients, for example, who have really big vision, you know, huge vision. They um, they want to make a positive difference in the world. They have causes that they are passionately committed to. And they have built the creative capacity to make that vision happen. So it's not just wish fulfillment. I mean, all of us have this desire to contribute in a positive way to the world, but uh, not all of us um, want to do it on a massive scale. And those of us who do want to do it on a massive scale and who have um, the drive and the vision and the willingness to do the work to create the infrastructure to make that vision happen, um, in many ways are doing it for all of us. You know, they inspire us, they, um, they 
help us to see in a concrete way what's possible. But with that, with that comes uh, greater complexity. So, for example, if you know, if you want to end uh, violence against women and girls on a global level. Um, the kinds of strategies that you have to put into place in order to develop the power, the capacity, the alliances that would allow you to do this globally uh, is much more, they're much more complex than if you, um, you know, than if you, if you want to volunteer at your local women's shelter and work towards ending violence in your own community in that way. It's not that one is better than the other. It's just that one requires, one pulls you into greater complexity and into more more complex both strategies and alliances uh, and infrastructure building than the other, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What can happen as you go, as you extend your reach into these, into more, more global kinds of, um, of plans and schemes is that in developing those strategic alliances and developing those, um, those networks, those systems, those Structures that uh, that can actually make something like that happen. You will inevitably bring up within yourself everything that says that you're reaching beyond your capacity. Because in many ways, you are. You know, when you get to that level. You cannot create this alone. You have to tap into both existing networks and networks that you're developing. Uh, And it can become really easy to tip into that place of feeling like, oh my God, you know, I've got to make this happen to make that happen to make that happen. And this person can either help me or hinder me. That situation can either work in my favor or against my favor. And after a while, it becomes easy to get caught in that and to forget that it's really your soul that's driving this whole enterprise and that your soul doesn't care in some ways whether you reach it through this channel or that channel, through this network or that network. Your soul can go directly towards what it wants because it already includes what it wants. It, 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 what it wants is part of your soul. It is not separate from your soul. So the challenge is always how to maintain that remembrance of both aspects of yourself, both the aspect that needs to move out into action to create the things in the real world that will help you make your big vision happen and to stay connected to your soul and not be attached 
to a particular scheme working out the way that you think it should or a particular plan falling into place, especially when you've invested, you know, huge amounts of of time and energy and money and resources in a particular way of arriving at what you want, and it doesn't pan out. Is that making sense? I'm thinking so. So, because often we, we get stuck in that it has to happen this way. And what you're saying is, and please tell me where I'm wrong, Hero, is that the soul doesn't care what way it happens. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be this way, this limited way that a lot of times our brain can only see. Yeah. The soul can create things in ways that we can dream of. And it doesn't, but it can't create them just from our dreaming selves, you know? If that were all that was required, and and you can get a long way by doing things that way, but there comes a time when you have to create the actual physical infrastructure through which your soul can funnel its its essence and its power. So there is a, a, a process that requires us to live in both worlds when we are creating, when we're creating something concrete. And it's a tricky process because we have to keep holding both these, um, sometimes both these things in the same spacious heart. And sometimes they seem contradictory to each other, you know, that it seems like a contradiction that you have to wholeheartedly pour yourself and your resources and everything you have into a particular strategy to make something happen and yet not be attached, you know, when maybe you've got millions of dollars at stake, Mm -hmm. maybe the future of your company is at stake. Maybe your reputation is at stake. To be able to step back from that and remember, hey, this, the reason I'm doing this is because this is what my soul wants. And my soul has powers and capacities and ways of arriving at things that are different. Its agenda is not my agenda. Its agenda is much bigger in some ways. Well, and that, and arrived at in many different forms, you know. Sorry, go ahead. Then that's the hard part, isn't it? Because it's it can be counterculture, and it can be you know against the all the how to books or the how to ways of doing things. Because the logical mind may say, "Well, don't do this. You're not going to put in millions of dollars and be at risk or risk your reputation. Because what if it doesn't work out?" Mm-hmm. And and that's what you're talking about, isn't it? It's about going in and listening to your soul, believing your soul, and then in doing this and not being attached to the outcome. That is the hard thing because don't we want surety and certainty and security? Yes, of course we do. And and the thing is that every 
you can't really take risks without anchoring yourself in a basic foundational safety, you know? And 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 part of that safety comes from knowing that no matter what, no matter what happens, you will be safe. And part of it is creating what you know you need to feel safe. You may always be safe, but you know what you need to feel safe in order to take that next step, that next risk. Because if you do it without, if you just kind of hurl yourself at something without creating that basic safety that you need, then you get further and further away from your body. And when you get further and further away from your body, the risks increase exponentially, not because they are external risks, but because you are coming not from a place of your own power, but from depths of fear that you aren't addressing, that you aren't. It's kind of like, you know, if you have a two-year-old and and you push her out into traffic because she needs to learn how to cross the road. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't do it that way. Mm -hmm. You go step by step, you know, to teach her how to cross the road safely. And when she's old enough, then she'll know how to do it because you've taken those steps. And it's the same thing with anything that you do. So, both those things are necessary. So a couple things that are coming to mind as we talk about this. And one, it goes back to when this process that you're talking about, about being not being attached, we can't come from a place of fear. And, and that's where having, you know, embracing it with love and joy and tenderness and curiosity and delight and knowing um, that we are safe is really important. And what is safe for each of us is going to be different, isn't it? Yeah, and it's going to be different at different times, you know? It's like you can't just say, um, I'm not going to come from a place of fear. I'm going to come from a place of faith and love because your human self needs it needs certain things to feel safe, right? I am human and I need to go step by step in order to feel safe because that's what my humanity requires of me. It doesn't mean that I don't know on a soul level that I am always safe, but it means that I can't just... um, I can't just embrace my infinite soul and not embrace my human self because my human self is also my embodied soul. So, for example, you know, one of the things I know about myself is that when I have to deal with um, something, some kind of technology that is new to me, I get stalled. So I have this absolutely wonderful um, 
voice recorder. Well, it's not made for a voice recorder. It's actually made as a portable music recording studio. Um, and I've had it for years. And for the longest time, I didn't use it because it seemed so complicated. It has, you know, four channels and it has a massive manual and and I couldn't understand it and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I ended up, you know, whenever I needed to record something, I would just phone into my bridge line and record <laughs> record on there. And I never used this because it just got me stalled. So I stopped and I asked myself, okay, what do I need to feel safe enough to try this? And the first step was going, I just need to have it use, use only that aspect of it that I need right now. Like, I don't need to try and figure out how to use four channels because my voice doesn't work on four channels. I'm not trying to, you know, mix um, different instruments or different musical phrases or whatever. I'm just trying to record um, an audio file. That's all of my voice speaking. Um, the next step was to see, well, who can help me figure out how to do just that? And I, you know, talked to a friend of mine um, who came over and she kind of walked me through a really basic lesson. And then I just recorded something and I recorded only a minute or so of it and then listened to it to see if it had actually recorded because I had no idea if it did or it didn't. And then once I found, oh yeah, this worked, then I went ahead and I recorded a half hour of something. I went back and I listened to it and realized, oh, this is getting in the way. I had headphones and the headphones were making a noise and the noise showed up as crackling on the recording. So the next time I thought, I'm not going to use the headphones. I don't care if I can't hear myself speak. I just am going to use this really simple way of doing things. And once I did that, it has become really easy. You know, it has beautiful sound quality. I record my my class audios on it. And it's great. But if I hadn't taken those steps, it would still be sitting in its box in the closet of my study and I still would not be using it. So it's like a really, really basic, simple thing. I know this about myself, you know, mm -hmm. and doesn't matter why or what. I just know that if I'm going to use something new, I'm going to do something new. I need to start from where I am and take one step and then the next and then the next. I'm not somebody who could hurl myself at it and just wing it. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, there are other things that I do that to somebody else might look really unsafe. So, for example, you know, I've recently hired um, two new team members and they are kind of going through all of the back end of my business and going through... Um, you know, my my sales campaigns for different programs that I have taught over the years and they're kind of asking me questions. Well, 
where's your campaign for promoting this program? And I go, well, this is it. I said, well, how can you, how can you fill a program by sending out two emails? Uh, and that's it. And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I just did. And I started to feel like, oh, my God, I've been doing it wrong all these years. And then I thought, no, that isn't true. I mean, I know from 35 years of being in business, the way that I do things works for me. And it doesn't mean that it's right for everybody. I pay no attention to numbers. I don't think about any of that stuff. I put all of my care and focus on creating the best possible program I can and then on creating an experience of it that I offer for free to people, typically as a preview call, but it's not a sales call. It is I want them to have a real experience of whatever it is that that program offers so that even if they never choose to take it, they go away with something that will last them for their lifetime if they want it. And that's how I do things. And so the, I said this to, you know, to these two um, new team members and I went and back and said, wow, I'm just looking at, you know, at your numbers and you've had, you know, over 2,000 people sign up for a preview call by sending out one email and then over, you know, this many thousand actually listening to the call. I could use some of that in my business. Now, if I had hooked into that, if I were hooked into the numbers, none of that would have happened. Not because it couldn't happen for somebody else, but it couldn't happen for me. I can't be hooked into outcomes. I have to do the work for the because that's what my soul wants. That's what I want. And when I do it, it blesses and benefits me and everybody else. And yes, you know, I I have I run a business. My business needs to be profitable because if it's not, uh, I'm not going to be able to continue to do what I do or offer what I offer or serve in the ways in which I serve. But I can't be hooked into it. And so for you, for not being hooked in, is that because you're creating the best possible program, you're creating the best possible experience, so you're thinking about that instead of what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm thinking about that. It's not that I'm ignoring what needs to happen. I love my business. I want it to thrive. I want it to grow into its own beautiful potential so it can it can express its own soul and express its own joy and serve the people that it loves, you know? Uh, but when I'm, but I, I can only do it in my own way. And what I'm saying is my way is only the right way for me. It's not the right way for everybody, but that for all of us, we need to, hold both the necessities of 
you know, of how to grow our businesses and the necessity of how to grow ourselves and and to keep those two in right relationship with each other. So there's a reason I've hired these two new team members because, you know, my business is at a stage where the day of my business is saying, okay, we need a more a more stable um, infrastructure. We need more um, more structure than has been necessary up until now. Mm-hmm. So I listen to that. I pay attention to that, even though that's not my natural inclination. And then because it's not my natural inclination, I hire people for whom that is their way of doing things. Uh, and at the same time, I continue to to make those choices that are in alignment and harmony with my own values, you know. So I won't let them create structures that aren't right for my business, that aren't right for me. Does that make sense? That makes sense. How do you hear the messages? I just ask, like, think about, you know, you have kids, right? Mm-hmm. How do you know what they need? I ask them or they tell me. Okay. And what if they don't know? What if they say, oh, I need to stay up all night and watch video games. games While eating M&M's by the bucket full. What if they say that's what I need? How do you know what they need? I listen into myself and my gut and I, I, I just pay attention. That's it. You pay attention because you love them, right? You love them and you have a lifelong relationship with them. So you pay attention. You know which kid needs to be encouraged to get out of the house and which need, kid needs to be encouraged to stay in. It's not the same thing for each kid, right? Mm-hmm. You know which which you know what sugar does to one kid and doesn't do to the other. So I mean, you you make those decisions based on paying attention, which in it, in turn is based on love. It's like you love them enough to really pay attention to who they are, what makes them tick, how they respond to different things. You know, you're holding a field that that is bigger than their own immediate wants so that within that field, they can actually grow into their full potential. And you do the same for your business. You pay attention because you love it. And you ask questions. And you trust your gut. When you and you rely on what you know from the past as well as what you are discovering from now, right? When you ask questions and you rely on your gut, and then you go and you take action, is mm-hmm. this also an experiment as you're doing this? Oh yeah, it's always an experiment. It's always an experiment. Life is an experiment, you know? 
like there isn't there isn't a formula that you can apply, even though people like to pretend that there is. You know, there are guidelines that have been developed just by other people's experiments and what has worked for them. Mm -hmm. And you can try those for yourself. You use your discernment to determine which ones work for you, why it might work for you, and then you try them and you don't know if they will or they won't. And you manage the risks, right? You, you kind of say, okay, I can risk this much, this much time, this much energy, this much money, this many resources, and I will try this and I'll see how it works and I'll try it because I know that my business is calling for depth or calling for expansion or calling for connection or whatever it is that your business is needing. And I will try this way of arriving at it. It feels like it would be in harmony with my values, but we'll see. And then along the way, you know, you keep reaching these places where you have to make micro decisions, each of which you check against your own values. You know, it can be as simple as do I use pop-ups on your <laughs> website? <laughs> do I want to have an affiliate program? How do I feel about these things? Like it's asking you at every turn to check against your own truth. How does this really feel? And and what if the answer, Hero, is I don't know? Then you sit with it. You ask more questions until you do know. Would it, would also it be possible to test it out? Of course it would. Of course it would. You know, sometimes you sometimes the only way you can ask a question is by acting on something and seeing, okay, well, I'll go down this path for a bit. It's kind of like if you, you know, you're taking a walk through woodland trails and there are two trails going in different directions. Um, you know, your gut might tell you, okay, we'll take this trail, but it might not. They may look ex exactly alike and they may both lead to beautiful places. So it's not really, there isn't one that's better than the other, but you won't know until you actually go down one, you know, and see, do I, how do I feel going down this trail? Do I really want to be going this way or not? If I don't, I can backtrack and try the other one. I think that's really important for people to realize that they can backtrack. They can test things out. And you, and that's part of the process, the unfolding of, I guess, understanding what your soul wants, isn't it? Yeah. It's trusting yourself. It's really trusting yourself and trusting your soul. How do you trust yourself? Well, trust is built through experience, you know. I trust myself because I have a lot of experience following my intuition, following my gut, just acting on my desires. And even, 
And and over and over and over again, when they haven't made any logical sense to anybody else, or even to myself, they that my intuitive sense is always more um, nuanced, more um, knowing. It, my intuitive sense knows way more than my logical mind does. You know, and 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 it's it's not it's not some kind of magical mystical thing. It's really that there are flows and patterns of energy that crisscross throughout our lives. You know, they flow from within us out into the world around us. So they're they're there are these energy flows that 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 include ourselves and our world. And when you align yourself with those flows, then you become part of their pattern and the pattern that you hold within you becomes part of that larger pattern. It's kind of like if you have a boat and you put your boat in a river and, and, and the currents of the river carry you. But if you take your boat and you put it in a swamp, it can't really go anywhere. It's stuck because there is no larger flow that it can become part of to carry it. I don't know if that's an, you know a good analogy or not, but that's what it feels like to me. Like if I'm someplace, if I'm not honoring my intuition and I'm trying to carve out a path because I think that that's the way it should go, I end up carrying my boat on my head instead of my boat carrying me, you know? Mm-hmm. But if I pay attention, like my intuition is always tuned in to the different patterns and different flows that are around me, and it will guide me. And it doesn't have to make sense. Like I trust it because every time I have trusted it in 67 years of being alive on this planet, it has not failed me. It doesn't mean that. I haven't made mistakes. It doesn't mean that I haven't um, you know that I haven't kind of backtracked or gone only so far and not further or I mean they, they, you know I've done all all every mistake you can possibly make. I have already made, and I always know that despite all of those mistakes, I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still happy. I'm still functioning. I'm still doing good work. <laughs> so mistakes don't really matter. It's you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of when I was a kid. I must have been like seven or eight years old, and I had an uncle who was a really powerful man. He uh, was the head of big UN development programs in you know in various countries. He, he was was just like he, he had a very accomplished, very smart, very intelligent, and he loved to play chess. So he taught me how to play chess and we would sit down and we would play and I 
couldn't remember any of the, you know, this opening gambit and that blah, 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 and whatever, I would play completely intuitively. And I always would end up with him in check or checkmate. And he would get so mad. He'd fling the whole board off the table. (laughs) That would be the end of it. It wasn't that I was smarter than him. It was just that I was more tuned into the patterns and I didn't know this consciously. It's not like I, you know, it's it's not like a chess master who can look at the board and see all the different possibilities. I wasn't doing any of that. I didn't have the capacity to. I was really young. But my intuition was, and I, I can't even say that it was guiding me. I would just do what I felt to do. And I still do what I feel to do. And it's it's only in hindsight that I that I began to realize, oh, this is my soul. This is my soul acting because my soul is aware of millions of permutations and flows that I have no clue about. So our practice is to listen to our soul, to stand inside of ourselves, and to do this while we embrace it with love, joy, tenderness, curiosity, and delight. Yeah. And to pay attention to what you need. Mm. You know, and to pay attention to what you need, but you can't leave yourself out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Because I know, I know too many really beautiful, soul-guided folks who who ride roughshod over their humanity and their needs for safety and their human needs for safety and protection and and all of that. And when they do, the price they pay is very high. Yes, pay attention. And and when you pay attention to what you need, isn't it also important to not have judgment on what you need? Yeah, how can you pay attention and judge it at the same time? Like, <laughs> you're judging it, then you're not paying attention, you're imposing something on yourself, mm. right? And as soon as you impose a should, you've cut off. It's like you've put your hand over your own mouth and said, shut up. Mm-hmm. I don't forget that. Well, Hero, thank you so much for today. You're welcome. I feel like I've kind of rambled around. But it, it feels it feels really important that in this time when we are facing so much divisiveness and so much complexity, when it feels as though we are so powerless to affect the kinds of change that we want to see in our world, that we know that we have, that we are sources of everything that we seek that it is not outside of ourselves and that we have 
the power within us to act together to create the change that we want to have happen in our world. And that that change begins through those qualities that are already within us. And that's the trust that we have to have. Yeah, well, but that that trust is built through experience. So it's that willingness, really, you know, like you don't have to have perfect faith or perfect trust. You just need to be willing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, Hero, thank you so much for coming today. Oh, thank you, Corinne. It's always such um, such a gift. These conversations we have are such a gift for me. Thank you. And they are for me. And just to let you know, as you're my guest co-host, is that the listeners have really loved having you. So thank you. Thank you. Lots of love to all of you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So I know that I'm going through tremendous learning because my head is hurting when I'm really learning and growing and evolving to my next self there. My brain starts to hurt because I'm really thinking and I'm really thinking about what hero had to say and expanding and, and understanding what she's talking about and things that resonate so well. I want to go back to what she first started out with saying with notice where you're leaning outside of yourself to reach for your desires. And we do that. We lean outside of ourselves. We go to these externals for our desires. And she talks about going, you know, the power of our desires doesn't lie outside of us. It's not somebody else's power that they bestow upon us. It's not something that somebody else gives us but it's about us going inside of ourselves and loving ourselves, being joyful, having tenderness, curiosity, and delight as we listen to the expressions of our soul. And I think about that. And isn't that the hard thing? That's the challenge because we want to. We've been trained culturally to go outside of ourselves, but we need to go back in. And I loved what she talked about. There's two things I want to talk about is that the process, right? Not being attached and that letting go. I mean, I talk about this a lot with guests all the time and there may be different terminology, but not being attached to the outcome. That's the challenge because we have these rules in our logical brains that say, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do this, then this will happen. Whether or not it will or that it's, um, it's even supposed to, if we believe it because of some sort of cultural messaging. So like, for instance, if you go to a good college, you're going to have a really good job, right? We get attached to that outcome. But instead, it's about going through the process of learning, of showing up and seeing what is, how you can learn and stretch and grow, people that you can meet and being a part of that process Obviously, you want to get a job to take care of yourself. And if you're going to have a family or a partner, or, you know, being able to provide for yourself through your life, 
but letting go of that outcome. We get so attached to that outcome. And then that's what I think drives in the terms of my language, that fixed mindset. Am I right or am I wrong? Because when we are talking about testing and being an experiment and practicing and, and having your safety nets out there, but really experimenting and making mistakes, it's not that you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what my soul said. It's going to happen. You know, I need to do. And then there aren't any problems, right? And then you, if you're in a fixed mindset, you shut down and run away and say, oh, see, here's why I never should have done this. Here's why I shouldn't have risked being vulnerable with another human or you know, left this safe job for something else, for another position that I really wanted that really lit me up or became an entrepreneur. So it's not about having the right decisions or that you're not going to have falling down moments. It's about listening to your soul, believing in it, letting go of the outcome, paying attention along the way. And then, you know, I love how she shared about how her business is in transition and she's hired people that do things differently from her and she's willing to learn and to experiment and to test it out and to spend an investment and to open up her business. So there's a lot of vulnerability and risk there. And finally, I want to talk about trust and how she talks about trust is built through experience. And as she said that, what I wrote down was, what is the relationship you have with yourself? And so often, sure, we can get away with this or maybe we can get away with that. And, you know, she talks about the presidential elections in the U.S. and there's been even talk about that. But what's the relationship you want to have with yourself? And having trust with yourself is going to be contingent on how do you show up? What do you cultivate with yourself in terms of trust? You know, what are you reliable with yourself? Do you do what you say, what you're going to do? Are you clear about what your boundaries are? Do you act from a place of integrity? Do you stay out of judgment? Are you generous with yourself? Those are really important questions to ask as you cultivate this trusted relationship with yourself. You may need to go back and I'm going to go back and re-listen to this show. And because I know when I'm learning new things or when somebody may be using different words than I use day to day, I need more than one time. I need that spiral learning, that circling back, going back and listening to it, seeing what I understand, seeing what I don't understand. And then I just asked you a bunch of questions and I invite you, give yourself some space five minutes after you turn this off and write some answers put some information out after you've taken in all this information. I want to do a shout out now to www.user12345. Thanks so much for your shout out on iTunes. Love it. And thanks for sharing, you know, the guests that you've really enjoyed and gotten a lot from. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's not too late. You can go and leave an iTunes review. Yes, I realize that's a hassle, but it does help out the show. It helps there's some algorithm that iTunes has and helps spread the word. And then people also look at what are previous guests? I mean, how often when I go to buy stuff, I read reviews and then I decide, okay, well, what else do I think? You know, cause I want to hear other people's experience, but I also know what I think. So I invite you to leave an uh, iTunes review and until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide awake